Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. On that note, if you want to donate, if you donate $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and From John to Justin, and on social media. If you donate $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by you with your name at the start. It's also stated it's sponsored by you on social media. If you donate $20, you get everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And if you donate $50, you get everything from the $5, $10, and $20, plus you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. You can also donate at buymeacupofcoffee slash craigu, and all of these links will be in my show notes. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok, where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to Bairdo37. And if you like, you can find weekly videos about Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash canadianhistoryx. You can also find transcripts of every episode I've ever done on my website. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. I'd like to say welcome to the newest patron of my podcast, Wendy Mills. Thanks, Wendy. I'd also like to say a big thank you to the people who have donated to the podcast in the past week and uh, to especially Gary Pittman, who is sponsoring this podcast, along with Ellen Robitaille, Rachel Enns, Jeff Hershey, and Steve Kellen, along with Leah and Glenn. Thank you so much for your donations. You really made my week. I really appreciate it. With the departure of Lord Bing as Governor General, the position was going through a drastic change as the country moved through the last half of the 1920s. After the King-Bing affair, there was a movement in political circles of Canada to limit the powers of the Governor General and make Canada more autonomous when it came to Britain. It was in this atmosphere that Freeman Freeman Thomas, yes, that was his name, the first Marquis of Willington, arrived. I will refer to him as Thomas through this episode. Freeman Thomas was born on September 12, 1886 as the only son of Freeman Frederick Thomas and Mabel Henry. His father was a celebrated cricket player from 1860 to 1867 who played for Sussex. Sadly for Thomas, his father died when he was only two years old. His mother would raise him at this point, and he would attend Eton College, where he was a member of the school's cricket team. His skill in cricket would take him onwards to Cambridge, and then to Trinity College, where he continued to play. Along with playing cricket, Thomas was interested in the military, and after he enrolled in university, he volunteered for the Sussex Artillery, where he would serve for 15 years, reaching the rank of major. In 1892, he would marry Marie Bracy, and the two would have a strong and deep marriage. Thomas would say of her, quote, My wife has been a constant inspiration and encouragement, end quote. Together, the couple would have two sons, one of whom sadly died in the first month of the First World War. After his marriage, Thomas began to move up in the political world. In 1897, he was the aide-de-camp to his father-in-law, who was serving as the governor of Victoria in Australia. In 1900, Thomas returned to England and was elected to the House of Commons, where he would serve until 1910. The same year he left politics, he would be elevated to be the Baron Willington of Ratton. 
One year later, he was made the lord-in-waiting to King George V, of whom he was the favorite tennis partner. On February 17, 1913, Thomas was appointed as the crown governor of Bombay. It was in this role that Thomas would meet a man named Mahatma Gandhi, who had just come back to India from South Africa, and Willingdon would be one of the first individuals to welcome him to India, and after meeting Gandhi, Thomas would say, quote, Honest, but a Bolshevik, and for that reason, very dangerous. End quote. In 1917, famine hit Bombay that resulted in farmers being unable to pay their taxes. The government still insisted that taxes be paid, while also implementing a 23% increase of the levies. This became the setting for Gandhi's first instance of nonviolent resistance. The people who supported Gandhi would send Thomas a petition asking him to cancel the taxes, but the cabinet refused and told Thomas to take the property by force. On April 10, 1919, Thomas was returned to Britain and was appointed to be the governor of Madras. While serving in that position, he had to deal with a series of communal riots and would declare martial law. In 1924, he once again returned to England. Then, on August 5, 1926, Thomas was appointed as the Governor-General of Canada on the recommendation of British Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin. Thomas was not the main choice of the government, but the King put his name on the list for inclusion to be sent to Canada, and it was Thomas that Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King chose for his nomination. King spoke with the current Governor-General, Lord Bing, about it, and he would write in his diary, quote, Lord Bing said he thought Willingdon would be far the best of the name, end quote. King George V accepted this, and Thomas was notified while on a diplomatic mission in China. William Lyon Mackenzie King quite liked Thomas and his wife, and had met them earlier that year. He would write in his journal, quote, I spoke to them of their coming to Canada. This led to our speaking of the spiritual life as the only reality. Lord Willingdon was fine in the way he spoke of his mother and son praying each night to and for them. He was also very interested in my Bible, as was Lady Willingdon, end quote. This would be the last time that the vice-regal appointment for Canada would be made by the monarch in his or her capacity as sovereign of the United Kingdom. At the Imperial Conference in October 1926, it was decided that the dominions of the British Empire would be equal and that the monarch would only operate under the guidance of the country's ministers. This would be formalized in the Statute of Westminster in 1931. The Balfour Declaration, issued in 1926, also declared that governors-general were no longer the representatives of the British government in diplomatic relations with the Dominions. Beginning in 1928, the United Kingdom would appoint a High Commissioner to Canada. Bing would tell Thomas that it was for the Governor-General to leave things alone unless asked for help, that he should help if he could, but not to advise it. As it turned out, King, in conversation with Lord Beaverbrook, found that the British government was actually against Willington and had wanted to appoint one of their own men. It was King that had compelled them to meet his wishes on the matter. He would write, quote, They have been putting off the appointment expecting that I would not last out the session, and they would in all probability have appointed Sir Samuel Hoare. Beaverbrook thought Willingdon much more preferable. He agreed that the office of the Governor-General should simply be that of the Viceroy. End quote. On October 2, 1926, Thomas arrived in Canada and was sworn in at the Quebec Legislature. He then became the first Governor-General to represent the British Crown rather than the British government. King would write, quote, 
I found him amazed at Lord Bing's unconstitutional attitude in permitting Meehan to carry on when defeated by Parliament. He had read the debate in the House of Commons, had known nothing like it. Both he and Lady Willingdon talked very freely and thanked me very heartily. They spoke of being sorry not to have been able to cable on my victory. End quote. The Toronto Globe would write, quote, It is apparent from his speech delivered at the banquet given in his honour in London that Lord Willingdon is coming to Canada in an optimistic frame of mind. He has had opportunities for judging the attitude of the people of the Dominion towards the motherland and the empire and toward the destiny in store for their own country. End quote. In his position as Governor-General, Thomas would travel throughout the country, visiting with Canadians who liked his sense of humour and air of informality. The Edmonton Journal reported, quote, It is understood that Lord Willingdon is so impressed by Canadians he has met in Canada, end quote. In his travels, he became the first Governor-General to travel by air when he flew from Ottawa to Montreal. He would also visit the Pacific Coast every year that he served as Governor-General. In 1927, 1928, and 1930, he visited the Maritimes as well. Thomas would also visit the United States in 1927 to meet with President Calvin Coolidge, and then he went on to the Caribbean in 1929. During his Washington visit, he was met by the King's emissary to the United States, Vincent Massey, who would become the first Canadian-born Governor-General, and somebody we'll talk about in a few episodes. The Vancouver province wrote of the visit to Washington, quote, The visit of Willingdon is to be one of the state, and he will live not as a guest of the Minister for Canada, but as a ruler of a nation. The Governor-General will receive a call from President Coolidge, a compliment paid only to the rulers of friendly powers, end quote. As Governor-General, Thomas hosted Prince Edward, Prince of Wales, and Prince George, who had come to celebrate the Diamond Jubilee of the Confederation of Canada. The Prince of Wales would dedicate the Memorial Chamber at the Peace Tower in a ceremony that was part of the first ever coast-to-coast radio broadcast in Canadian history. Thomas and his wife also had a love of the arts, and they would introduce the Willingdon Arts Competition that focused on painting and sculpture. In 1927, Thomas donated the Willingdon Cup to be awarded to the champion of the interprovincial amateur golf competition. And like other governors general, Thomas loved hockey, and often attended the home matches of the Ottawa Senators. In 1930, he would donate a trophy to the team to be awarded to the player who provided the greatest assistance to the team. The team would award this to the player who led the team in assists. The Montreal Gazette wrote, quote, His Excellency suggests the cup be awarded to the player who, through each season, is judged to be the most assistance to the team. This will probably be determined by the number of assists which are credited to the player. The Governor-General is an ardent follower of the ice game and attends the majority of the Senators' home games, end quote. As Governor-General, Thomas took a special interest in French Canadians, encouraging their handicrafts, and he would often spend time in Quebec. In March 1931, Thomas would find out that he was leaving his post as Governor-General and was going back to India to be the Governor-General there. Now, you may notice that we didn't really talk a lot about him being Governor-General in Canada because... He didn't make many inroads. He just kind of held the position and not a lot happened. On the couple's ride from Rideau Hall to the waiting train, the couple were escorted by the Princess Louise Dragoon Guards, the most famous cavalry unit in Ottawa. A guard of honour was also on hand at the train station to send off the couple. The Six Nation Indigenous would also send a message to the couple stating, quote, 
I beg to convey to your excellencies our expressions of regret at your departure from us and to express our sincerest wishes that the people of India may appreciate the benefit and charm of your presence amongst them as we have in Canada. End quote. The citizens of Brantford would show their appreciation to Lady Willingdon by presenting her with a pair of diamond earrings. To pay for this, $10,000 was raised through subscriptions as a parting gift. Keep in mind, this was during the Great Depression. Residents were able to raise more than what the earrings cost, and Lady Willingdon suggested that the rest be given to the Victorian Order of Nurses. The last message Thomas would send before leaving Canada was sent to his friend King, which stated, quote, God bless and guide you. End quote. He would be sworn in to his new position only two weeks after he was replaced in Canada by the new Governor-General. King would express sorrow over Thomas and his wife leaving Canada. He would write in his diary, quote, They've been truly good friends. End quote. Thomas would cable to King upon arriving in England, and King would relate this in his diary, stating, quote, Receiving on returning to house tonight a telegram from Greenock reading, had a splendid voyage, but still miserable at leaving you in Canada, Willingdon. Those are two good friends. This is most kind. End quote. Prime Minister R. B. Bennett would say of Willingdon upon his departure, quote, Canadians will ever remember Lord Willingdon with affection and respect. I feel confident he will continue to serve King and Empire with the same unselfish devotion he displayed as Governor General. End quote. Thomas would save his time in Canada, quote, Canada has made me gallop all right. I have done my best to keep at the top of the hunt, and I venture to think that, notwithstanding the vigor of the climate and the people of the people and the personality of the people, my old legs are as sound as they were when I went to the Dominion, end quote. During his time as Governor General of India, he would have to deal with the growing influence of Gandhi. Picturesque ceremony was performed at New Delhi when His Excellency the Viceroy, Lord Willingdon, unveiled the statue that has been erected to his predecessor, Lord Irwin, now through the death of his father, Lord Halifax. Placed on a high pedestal of red stone designed by Sir Edwin Lutyens, the statue dominated the processional way in the great square of India's White Hall. Lord and Lady Willingdon drove in state and were received by a royal salute from the Guard of Honour. Their Excellencies then proceeded to a raised dais on which stood the famous Goldown Thrones, used by their Majesties the King and Queen at the Coronation Durbar in 1911. The subscriptions have been so generous that after the cost of the memorial has been met, the balance, which is considerable, will be utilised to endow Lady Irwin Ward in the proposed new hospital at Delhi. Their Excellencies were escorted by the Commander-in-Chief of the Forces in India, Field Marshal Sir Philip Chetwood and Lady Chetwood. The ship that took the new Viceroy out to India brings back the retiring Viceroy Lord Willingdon. With Lady Willingdon, he leaves the Strathmore at Tilbury, home again after five years of brilliant administration in India. A chill caught at sea prevents Lord Willingdon from speaking as he had proposed on Indian policy. Britain welcomes him home and wishes him a speedy recovery. Amy Mollison tries again and with greater success. 
Thomas then returned to the United Kingdom, where he was made the Marquis of Willingdon on March 26, 1936. Dover Castle echoes to the martial music as the Guard of Honor comes out to receive the ex-Viceroy of India. Waiting to welcome Lord Willingdon are the mayors of the ports and ancient towns and the barons who attended the coronation of King Edward VII or King George V. And after the general salute, Lord Willingdon inspects the Guard of Honor. Afterwards, Lord and Lady Willingdon drive through the flag-decked streets to Dover College, where a marquee has been erected for the actual installation ceremony. First, the Seneschal reads the Lord Warden's precept, summoning the court. Then the Speaker, the Mayor of Rye, requests the Lord Warden to take up his office. And then they all walk in procession to the Town Hall for the official luncheon. He would continue to take part in diplomatic missions over the course of his later life, traveling to South Africa and New Zealand. In February 1941, he became sick while on a trade mission to South Africa and was forced to return to England. Then, at the end of July, he developed pneumonia. On August 12, 1941, he would pass away in London. Prime Minister King would say, quote, Lord Willingdon's passing is a loss to the entire British Commonwealth and to international amity and goodwill. To myself, it is a personal grief. We shared a very close and warm friendship, which was sustained by correspondence during his years as Viceroy of India and renewed in subsequent visits to England. The Windsor Star wrote, quote, The tact with which he carried out his duties in Canada, the unfailing courtesy of his contacts with all Canadians, and the perfect blend of dignity and geniality which marked all his public actions endeared him to the whole dominion. End quote. In Canada, Mount Willingdon and Willingdon, Alberta are named for him. There are also two schools in British Columbia and Quebec named for him. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Freeman Thomas, the Governor General. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Wendy Mills, Keelan Pregnitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, 
Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke Guess, JP Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Canadian Encyclopedia, Governor General of Canada, Library and Archives Canada, Wikipedia, Edmonton Journal, Vancouver Province, Toronto Globe, Montreal Gazette, and the Ottawa Citizen. Thanks. We'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.